Home for All podcast is a bi-weekly production where we will host interviews, facilitate conversations, and talk about what's happening in the world of real estate. We'll introduce you to the important people in your community and help you learn how to grow your real estate-related business. This is an adult show and some adult language might occasionally creep into the conversation. So let's move forward and find out what makes Northeast Ohio the best home for all. to the Home for All podcast. It's time for another great episode. I am your ACAR Communications Director, Kelly Moss, and I am so glad to have you back. Just a quick reminder, don't forget to subscribe so that you won't miss a thing. Today, we have two awesome guests, our very own Vice President of Government Affairs, Jamie McMillan, and our ACAR Political Liaison, Dean DePiro. Dean, is that your real title? Uh, that sounds good to me. Sounds good to you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I call myself a liaison consultant. Consultant. Yes. I like that word too. Jamie and Dean are here to give everybody a quick recap of what happened in our most recent round of elections on November 7th and how those election results could affect our industry. Uh, Welcome, Jamie and Dean. It's great to have you both in here today. So what I'm going to do now is just kind of sit back in my seat and let you both tell our listeners what's been going on. Sure. Thanks, Kelly. Hello to everybody. Um, thanks for tuning in. So today, just for, for clarification, is November 8th when we're recording this. So <laughs> we're still going through all the election results as they were coming in late last night. Um, but it was, like always, an interesting election, general election with, I think, some anticipated results, some surprises. And so we'll just dive into things. But I think the big thing that we need to probably address too is, you know, issues one and two, although those aren't necessarily uh, real estate or housing issues, they certainly played a role um, in the election. And so Dean, what what do you think? How did that, how did those two issues impact what we saw last so night. no so no you're right jamie so by the way it's great to be here and jamie you do such a good job with uh with a carb uh but here a political scientist in years to come will tell we'll be able to talk about yeah. november 7 2023 and the effect that issue one and two had on local elections mm-hmm. Issues one was regarding the abortion question. Issue two was the legalization of uh, uh, marijuana, uh, recreational. And they both passed 56 and 57 percent of the vote, I think, respectively. I may have that switched. But they have nothing to do with who you elect as your mayor or your council member or your board president or board member, Jamie. Right. But they had a profound effect on many of these races. Jamie and I were talking beforehand these were turnouts that that were reminiscent of presidential years. Mm-hmm. 65% turnout in the city of Brexville, 45% in Cuyahoga County, 56% in Broadview Heights. And, and you go look at the percentages, such high turnout. Right. So that affected many of the mayor's races, not only throughout the state, but in Cuyahoga, Portage, Summit County. And it benefited some incumbents and it hurt some incumbents and even some challengers. Right. It also affected the school board races. Um, 
You know, school board races over the last few years, as we've talked about in this podcast before, Jamie, had become very volatile because of different social issues where they're perceived to being taught in schools. And they were affected by these these turnouts. Certainly, women came out in very high numbers. Younger folks came out in very high numbers, not not because of abortion, because of recreational marijuana. And it just it was a fascinating election Mm -hmm. and had a profound impact on not only turnout, but the effect of the mayor's races and local races throughout our region. It really did. Um, so for everyone listening at home that didn't have a dozen tabs open <laughs> following different news outlets and the boards of elections, there were, I don't know, between all three counties, we probably had well over 100 pages of election results to to kind of sort through. So we're just going to hit some of the highlights today. Let's start with Cuyahoga County, Dean. What were some sure. of the, the bigger mayor's races, open races contested that um, I know our RPAC trustees were certainly involved in, but a lot of the community also had their eyes on as well. So a number of our candidates that we support were unopposed. You know, they're doing a good job. They were, for whatever reason, no one ran against them. And that's great for, our, you know, ACAR and RPAC, et cetera. Right. We had about eight to 10 races in the county that were hotly contested, a couple open seats, uh, and there were some challenges. We'll start with Brooklyn, where Mayor Van Kirk was appointed to Katie Gallagher's seat about a year and a half ago. He narrowly won election uh, uh, over the uh, one of the council members uh, who worked very hard. Mayor Van Kirk will uh, get a full term in the city of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. City of Euclid, a good friend of uh, ACAR and RPAC, uh, Mayor uh, Holzheimer, I believe had a three or four way race. Yeah. Uh, one, one pretty big. Um, that's a tough community politically for a lot of reasons. She's done a nice job and is is really a good leader and, and one with a pretty good margin. We were we were happy to see her when she was really a champion for getting rollbacks on the point of sale inspection mm-hmm. policy there. And I do believe this will be her last term due to term limits. So right. she's got another four years and then that'll be an open seat. We had an upset in the city of Fairview Park. Fairview Park, uh, uh, the mayor uh, served one term and was uh, was defeated yesterday yeah. by a small margin. Um, so there'll be a new there'll be a new face in the city of Fairview Park, um, city of Lakewood. Uh, Megan George four years ago open uh, open seat, toughly contested. She uh, you know won by a very large I think eighty percent of the vote yesterday yeah, in the city of Lakewood, huge. and she's been very um, she's been very good at, uh, recently on our issues and very. Um, you know, willing to meet and hear our side of uh, of issues, so that's that's been really great. Uh, one of our great friends, Mayor Blackwell, Mayor at Maple Heights, yes. Um, you know, cruise to reelection, uh, really is a professional, uh, does a great job. Um, you know, former private sector has really run the city well. Uh, a, a surprise uh, in the village of Newburgh Heights, Mayor Elkins, who was removed from office about a year and a half ago, replaced by the council president, Gigi Trior. Mayor Elkins uh, defeated her yesterday um, in the November 7th election. So he'll be back as mayor of this village in Newburgh Heights. City of North Royalton, first term mayor, uh, Larry Anaskevich, uh, received about 60% of the vote in that race against uh, Diane Shaka, uh, a newcomer. Um, that race, uh, he had served as council president before that and was reelected. 
Uh, the, the other one I'll talk about is uh, Village of Orange. Uh, Mayor Mulcahy, he retires. Mm -hmm. Judd Klein, a council member, uh, won election there uh, by a, by a fairly decent margin margin as well. So those were kind of the the hot Cuyahoga County races that we were concerned about. And I guess this is a good time too, just to give a shout out. We had, um, and I don't remember in my 14 years here, and maybe Dean, you can think back on your time. We had six mayors retire in Cuyahoga County alone right. this year and, right. uh, um, Mayor Klein down in Talmadge as well. It, it was, it's, it's always sad to see really good elected officials decide to hang, you know, hang it up, but right. also exciting for them to be able to move on to whatever their next steps are. And that is also, I think, part of the reason why we had um, probably more open seats than we normally would right. see. I can speak from experience. Yeah. Being a mayor is a it's a, a it's a thrilling job, but it's mm -hmm. also very challenging. And those mayors that serve three, four or five terms. It's amazing. And it does wear on you. And um, you do see a changing of the guard a little yeah. bit. Um, a lot of mayors, you know, in the last cycle, you saw a lot of, for example, city of Cleveland, Cleveland council members, been a big right. turnover on Cleveland city council. So, you know, the question will be in two years, will there be a further changing of the guard in some yeah. of these seats as well? Yeah, we had some long timers. <laughs> <laughs> Long-time right. public servants. Right. Um, we'll give a shout-out to Mayor Ruby and our right. neighboring Brexville. I think he's one of the longest-serving yes. mayors that we've seen. Mayor Berger over in Bedford Heights as right. well. Like Amazing, amazing 10 years that, that these folks have had. I did just want to mention, too, we were really hoping to see newcomer Jeffrey Lake over in Shaker Heights uh, get one of those council-at-large seats. Unfortunately, he didn't, but for our listeners, we'll continue to take a look at Shaker Heights and hopefully get some rollbacks um, on their point of sale so that homeownership is more achievable to all families that want to live there. Uh, I'll shift a little bit to Summit County because we did have some open uh, mayoral races down there as well. So in Akron, there were only Democrats that ran for mayor. So that race really happened in the primary and Shamus Malik was the um, the winner during that time. And there was no Republican that filed, <clears throat> no independents. And so um, he will be our mayor elect for the city of Akron. Council at large had an interesting race this year, but we did see a uh, realtor party friend, Linda Omobian. She was the top vote getter there. And then longtime realtor friend, Jeff Fusco also sailed to his reelection. Newcomer Kyle Garrett got the third council at large seat in Akron. And then we will see too, as a result of the primaries, um, a number of the ward seats have newbies, newcomers. So we've got a lot of work to do there. Um, just making sure people know who the realtors are, who ACAR is, and we'll be working with them on housing issues moving forward. So those will happen by appointment because there are vacancies, correct? Will they happen? No. No. Okay. No. The, the ward races that happen, like uh, one of the current members of council also ran for mayor. Mm-hmm. And lost that bid. So right. there's a new person that ran for her seat. Um, there were a few that were like that where folks either decided to retire or whatever. But we've got, I think, maybe three or four new ward councilmen's council councilmen or women coming into Akron. So just need to do a little. Hi, my name is. 
<laughs> work to make sure everyone understands we're a resource on housing issues. Barberton probably had the closest race right. that um, that we were Judge. keeping an eye on. So Bill Judge uh, was seeking re-election and edged one out. I want to say it was maybe 50 votes. It was pretty close. So short of anything changing with a recount, recount or provisional ballots, Mayor Judge will, will continue serving for another four years. Green had an open seat. Green's one of the communities that has term limits. And so um, current mayor, Nuja Bauer, um, will be termed out at the end of the year. He ran for and was elected to a council at large seat. So he won't be gone. He'll be just in a different role. But Rocco Yergin, um, who was an RPAC supported candidate, was the uh, the top vote getter in that race. And so we're excited to get to work with him in his new role. He had previously been on council. And then for our Portage County folks, Talmadge is, is our city that we share between Summit and Portage. And that was an open race with uh, Mayor Klein not seeking re-election. And that was a, a close one, too. I know a lot of people were watching that from both parties. And we were um, happy to see Carol Kilway um, uh, get that. She was the RPAC-supported candidate there at Well. That was a, a pretty tough race. Jamie, as you know, there was a couple of issues that were, you know, RPAC uh, – from time to time, we'll get involved in a local yeah. issue in Broadview Heights. Issues 25 and 25, 26 were on the ballot. Those issues had to do with uh, the elimination of uh, provisions of the zoning code, which would permit uh, homo uh, um, townhouse style shared wall construction housing units. And um, because of the growth of those and the popularity of those in the community, um, there was, uh, I think, I don't want to say backlash, but some concern among council members because of resident resident input. Um, and they put that on the ballot to eliminate that portion of the zoning code. Uh, and it did, it did pass. Both issues did pass. Yeah. I don't know if you want to comment on that. Yeah, we were. Um, so we were encouraging a vote. No, some of you may have seen that on our social media. Or if you live in Broadview Heights, you may have seen some of the mailers that we did or ads that were run encouraging a vote. No. The silver lining, I guess, in my view, is that thankfully, this is only impacting two small parts of town. Um, and the other thing I think I'll say here is, you know, regardless of how Anyone wants to define what's affordable. Um, banning any type of housing type right now only exacerbates the inventory challenge that we're facing, and there, and and therefore also affordability across the board, not just for the type of home that was um, banned in Broadview Heights. And then, too, as property value property values continue to increase because of the inventory shortage. This is also going to lead to property tax increases as well. And so Summit County is going through this right now with their um, recent update and Cuyahoga County won't be too far behind in seeing that. So I guess if there's a message I wanted to get out to everyone, we need to be thinking of ways to increase inventory, not restrict it. 
So what else is going on, Jamie? Let's talk about what else is going on in, in, the, uh, in the real estate or the uh, ACAR world. I'll just throw this out because sure. Jamie's done a really good job uh, last week. We're so City of Cleveland has a, Cleve, uh, a housing overall uh, overhaul ordinance, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and the name escapes me. Jamie's going to jump in and tell me. Residence first. Residence first. And it's a very uh, comprehensive piece of legislation yeah. proposed by the mayor and his team. Uh, Jamie was able to coordinate a meeting with the director of building and housing, Sally Martin, uh, and, and some of her team. I think we had about 30 uh, realtors here, yeah. ACAR members here. Uh, Jamie and I were here to have some good dialogue about the provisions of that residence first ordinance, uh, uh, trying to get a better understanding of the thinking behind it. And, uh, and then, you know, we were able to uh, really uh, express concerns about a number of provisions mm -hmm. that are here that are contained therein. The good news is is that we had a couple of council members there who I think um, are receptive to uh, our concerns. Um, they understand our issues. Uh, we'll continue to educate them. Yeah. And I think that there is a commitment to work with them to make meaningful change. Right. I don't think we can make it all go away and be better. But as with any piece of legislation, there's give and take. And um, I think that we'll have an impact on what if they pass something, mm -hmm. we'll have our fingerprints on it. And we'll be able to um, uh, look, we all we're all for good housing right. values and, and inspections and codes. And, 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 you know, that creating value for everybody. However, where there are arbitrary provisions where they single out different classes of home ownership, where they are discriminatory to certain, I don't want to say class, but uh, um, occupations or, or uh, industries, you know, we're going to stand up and advocate. Right. Part of the challenge with this particular ordinance proposal is that no industry ex experts, whether it's ACAR, the Apartment Association, the folks that are impacted that are going to be the ones dealing with the, the fallout from uh, whatever the ordinance ends up looking like, those folks weren't at the table when it was being drafted. And so now we're seeing meetings like the one that we had, and I, I believe council members and the housing director are meeting with other organizations as well to get feedback. Um, but some of those provisions that, that Dean mentioned, we're talking about local agent in charge. And so the way that's written, if you're a property manager or a realtor and you're working with a, an owner who, for whatever reason, isn't upholding their responsibility and maintaining their property, you would be just as liable as that property owner. So that's something that we're, we're working on. There are point of sale inspections included in this ordinance, expanded rental regulations. I've already heard from a handful of our members who have said they're going to have to increase fees just to ensure that their properties are compliant with all of the provisions, at least as it's currently pre uh, presented and drafted. And this isn't just residential. This is going to go after commercial, too. So for our commercial realtors, there's a vacant property registration that comes with inspections and required bonds, depending on the size of your, your property and annual fees. And so these things, while the city is saying it's to go after out-of-state, non-local investors who aren't doing the right thing, unfortunately, 
from what we're hearing and what we have seen happen in other places, there are unintended consequences that come along with policy. And so now is when we'll be sharing those concerns continued um, and hopefully, as Dean said, be able to make some some changes to this policy so that it's not hurting the good guys, but still making sure the city can can go after the owners that aren't doing what they're supposed to, because we do need safe, healthy housing and neighborhoods for everybody. It's it's something we care about. I think we just differ a little bit on how we get to that end point. So Dean, one last question I wanted to ask you. We got through 2023 elections, although we're not slowing down. Barely. <laughs> we're not slowing down <laughs> um, on the issue front anytime soon. 2024 is yeah. not too far away. So let's hit that. I mean, you're right. So let's talk about it. It's an even number year. It's a presidential year. So that means yeah. the primary is going to be pushed up to March. So what does that mean? Candidates to run for state, county, federal office have to file petitions in December. I think it's December 20th. That's six weeks from now. <laughs> so the campaigns for primaries will start. So this is going to ramp up quickly. We got about a week to take off and we'll be right. back at it, Jamie. So <laughs> it's an early primary. Uh, all of your your local county commissioners, your county council members, your yeah. Congress, State House, uh, U.S. Senate, President, yeah. uh, judges. It's all going to be uh, fair game, and and uh, and so we'll be back at it quickly. And who knows, Jamie? Maybe we'll have another issue on the ballot that'll drive higher voter turnout, like we had this year. But the one thing I'll say about the the, the issues, these issues um, uh, did drive the voters to the, the polls. And sometimes issues are are strategically put on the ballot to drive voter enthusiasm for one side or the other. So it'll be interesting to see. If or what, if anything, may come this year to the ballot in form of an issue. Yeah. Well, I can't say it any better than Dean did. So thank you, Dean, for joining me yep. today Great. to talk about this year's election results and tee up what's coming in 2024. To our listeners, I hope you enjoy this week-long respite from the political ads, and we'll be back at it soon, <laughs> sooner than we probably are ready for. But um, if you ever have any questions or want to learn about any of our advocacy efforts, check out AkronClevelandRealtors.com or reach out anytime. Kelly, I'll turn it back over to you. Well, thanks a lot. And I, you know, what an engaging conversation, just being kind of the one that gets to sit and listen to all of that was incredibly interesting to me and uh, surprising in a couple of things that I didn't know, actually. So I want to thank Jamie and Dean for joining us today and getting us all caught up. And I'm certain as as you briefly mentioned, you'll both be back in the spring to uh, <laughs> update us all once again. And I want to thank our listeners for downloading and subscribing to the ACAR Home for All podcast. Please be sure to check back with us for our next episode. And I hope until we meet again that you are finding your very own meaning of home for all. Today's Home for All podcast is being brought to you by Armor Mortgage. Armor Mortgage is committed to working with our clients and referral partners to provide an amazing mortgage experience. Our key to success is communication. Armor Mortgage, a division of American Pacific Mortgage Corporation, 
NMLS number 1850, was founded in 2021 by Mike Bernhardt. Armor Mortgage provides residential home financing through conventional, FHA, VA, USDA, Jumbo, non-QM, new construction, renovation, reverse mortgage, down payment assistance, and first-time home buyer programs. Contact Armor Mortgage for all of your home financing needs.